Well, good morning again. Glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. For those of you that uh, were here last week, uh, my name is... Uh, what is my name? Oh, I'm Jack Seeley, and uh, filling in for Steve, it's my privilege to be here. Um, I wish you could have been standing where I am standing last week. When I... Uh, took the opportunity to use an illustration involving a cookie. I thought Tim was going to run up and hold me up. His eyes were about this big, and he came up. He started out of his seat. And my own daughter-in-law sitting back here, her eyebrows were up and was looking at me. But uh, no cookies today, sorry. But... Uh, I want to continue on with uh, what we talked about last week, which was uh, spiritual warfare and how to deal with temptation. I really uh, appreciated the fact that um, a couple of people talked to me after the service and had some good questions. That means at least two people were listening, and uh, I appreciated that. One of the questions was uh, from the scripture that we read, and we're going to reread here in just a moment, is why Peter used the term for Satan roaring like a lion. And then we went on to talk about how he would attack us. A lion does not roar when he hunts. He's in stealth mode. Back on the farms in Iowa, and my uncle's out in Nebraska when we were there, they had the open corn cribs, and uh, so there was always lots of mice and, and rats around, and the, they all had cats. The cats were almost feral. They were wild almost. Um, you couldn't pick them up and pet them. They weren't your house cat. But they would get into that stealth mode down and creeping slowly, slowly and getting. So why did Peter use this term roaring lion? Well, I couldn't answer it right off until I got home, did some studying and looking at it. And when I realized and, and uh, studied it a bit, I found out that, of course, Peter was writing to the people in Rome. Do you know who was the emperor of Rome at that time? Nero. Now, Nero was being used by Satan to be the one going around. So Peter basically was saying, be aware of Nero. He's the guy that's the roaring lion. He's the guy that uh, takes his troops out and they bash down doors search houses trying to find any information or any indication that somebody that lived in that house would be a Christian. And so that was, without saying his name, was kind of what Peter was talking about. If he had said his name and his letter, which we now call the book of First Peter, was captured by somebody who was acquainted with Nero and said, here, look what he called you, he'd have been in big trouble. So he disguised it by saying a roaring lion. So now you learn something today, that uh, the roaring lion was really 
embodied in a person in Nero. Let's bring up uh, our uh, scripture for today, and I'd ask you to stand with me as we read it. We are going to repeat some of what we did last week, but uh, go on in these same couple of verses. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and forever. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to dig into the last part of that a little bit deeper today. And uh, so how is it that we resist those temptations? How is it that we, we put up that fight and resist those temptations? We often faced this when my wife and I were working in the mission, and uh, the guys and the gals who had uh, issues with alcohol and drugs would come and say to us, how, how do we resist this? How do we, we get over this drawing that uh, would seem to be in our lives to, to use the, the alcohol and the, the drugs. And so there were several things that we talked with them about. First was that uh, you need to change your thinking, Romans 12.1, have a new mind. We had a saying, if you always think like you always thought, you'll always get what you always got. And so to resist, you have to change the way you look at things. You have to change how you view things. Secondly, it might be really important that you change location. You can't go to the same places that you always went. I had a friend that uh, when we were in California, uh, worked in the mission, and on his way home, he would have to pass a drive-in theater. And this drive-in theater often played stuff that was not the greatest. And he would find himself craning and looking to see if he could see what was on at that drive-in theater, looking at the board to see what the name of the movie was, and then as he drove by, he could catch a glimpse here and there of the, the screen and see it. thing of it was, there were four other ways he could have driven home. So he had to change his location, go a different way. The last one that might be the hardest for people to do is to change your friends. You have to give up your old friends, your old buddies. They're going to draw you back into that. Now, it's all right to be there and, and witness to them and share with them, but you can't hang with them all the time or they're going to drag you down. And so we sometimes need to change our friends. In 1 Corinthians 
10.13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But, but, God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you are able, but with that temptation also makes a way of escape, that you may bear it. I've borrowed a little bit from John MacArthur. He wrote a, a very good piece about how to have four keys to resisting temptation. And I'm going to refer to my notes on this so I make sure I get it right. First key is by meditating in the word. Psalm 119, I have hid thy word in my heart. And so when we are tempted, we need to be able to bring up out of our heart, out of our mind, those texts, those scriptures that will help us resist. Secondly, we have to pray. And he made an interesting thing here that I had never thought of, to tell you the truth. But he said, you know, the prayer, the simple, easy prayer we could pray for resisting the temptation is in the Lord's Prayer, or better known, really, or should be known as the Disciples' Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that, just that little phrase of a prayer Often when we are faced with temptation, to be able to say, God, lead me a different direction. Lead me away from this. Don't, don't let me wander into this. A third thing is take the shield of faith. You know that um, the various parts of the shield of armor that is the shield of faith, we have to take that. The shield of faith is that we continue to have faith in God that, as we just read in the scripture, he is able to deliver us. Love that old hymn, he is able. And uh, that's the third thing. The fourth thing uh, is to focus on Christ. He endured more than we will ever endure in the way of temptations. And he remained, he remained sinless. He did not ever, ever, ever give in to that temptation. You notice that Sandy flashed up there the title of the sermon a few minutes ago. It was Why? And again, in the counseling with people, I often had that question asked to me, why does God allow me to be tempted? Why does God do that? I even had one guy told me it was God's fault that he sinned because if God had not presented that temptation or allowed that temptation, I wouldn't have sinned. It doesn't make much sense to me. But why? what is the purpose for God allowing us to go through temptation? Well, in the last part of the verse we read today, there are four reasons that he gives why he allows us to go tempta to temptation. 
I would tell you that if we are never tempted, we soon would become lazy Christians. And pretty soon we'd begin to even turn away from God. I don't need God. I, I'm, I'm living. I'm never tempted. I'm never doing anything wrong. I, why do I need God? And we'd get lazy about hiding his word in our heart. We'd get lazy about praying. We'd get lazy about not combining our, our souls and, and our meeting time with others. We'd get to be lazy Christians until we were so lazy that we just might lose it all. But here's what God hopes to accomplish in us by letting us go through those temptations. The first word we saw in the scripture was perfect. He's going to perfect us. Now, I, I wish Peter had used a different word because in the early days of the very conservative evangelical movement, the holiness movement, there were people who said this meant we could become perfect. Oh, yeah, it says perfect right there in the scripture. And I'd ask them, or someone would ask them, well, what about when you slip and sin? You know what their answer was? Oh, I didn't sin. I just made a mistake. And that was uh, prominent in, in the early movement of the holiness movement. They thought we could, by our sanctification, we would become perfect. There is no man ever been perfect other than Jesus Christ. And then you have to realize that this word is perfect. It's a verb. It's an ongoing process that we are going to go through. He is working us toward perfection that will only take place in glory. We'll never be perfect until we get to heaven. Now you ladies can probably understand this. Many of you gals will take a recipe and, and try it and you'll think, ah, oh, if I just, as my mom would say, uh, add a pinch of this and a shake of this, it would make that recipe better. And they're continually trying to perfect that recipe. My wife, bless her heart, has been trying to pro perfect Brussels sprouts. I don't know, we've had them with cream sauce. We've had them with pesto sauce. The latest one was pepper flakes, roasted, and then add Parmesan cheese on top of that. Let me tell you, they're still not perfect. I could still taste the Brussels sprouts. Now, let me give you one other piece of instruction here. Under no circumstances are any of you to share with Arlene a new recipe for Brussels sprouts. 
Now, if, if the recipe happened to say on the end of it, let cool for two hours and then throw it away, you can do that one. <laughs> but people are trying to continually perfect things and God is continually working on us through the use of temptations to perfect us. The second word in our our thing there was to establish. Establish. Each time that we establish that we have resisted the temptation, we are more firmly established in Christ Jesus. It becomes easier then with every time we face either that temptation, a like temptation, is that we are established in Christ. We are there. We are on a firmer foundation. We can stand up to those same temptations. The next one is strengthen. You get stronger as you beat the temptation God has allowed you to face. Now, all of us, as we mature, as Christians, we should get stronger. We should be drawn closer and closer to God. Some of us that are older uh, have been walking with the Lord longer than some of the newer ones. But bless your heart, some of us have also neglected to mature. Some of us have neglected to use what God gives us to become closer to him. And so... We need to resist those temptations and he will use that to strengthen us for the days ahead. And I got to tell you, it's probably not going to get easier as time goes on. The temptations are going to be greater and greater and greater in this world. Boy, I tell you, I'm, I'm looking forward. Jesus could come tomorrow and I'd be a hallelujah. But it's going to get harder and harder to remain a Christian in this world and resist the temptations. So we need that strength. Now sometimes, as we get older, we almost tend to lose strength. You can attest to that, can't you, Dick? We begin to lose strength, and, and how we lose strength as a Christian is that we think, oh, I'm so old, I don't have to be involved in the church. I'm so old, I don't need to go to Sunday school anymore. I've been walking with the Lord forever. I, 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 I don't need to make sure I'm in church every day that I can possibly be there. And some days... And my wife and I have done this. We've just said, you know what? We need a complete day of Sabbath and we didn't go to church that day. And that's okay. But you can't make that a habit. That has to be once in a long time. But as we get older, we sometimes think, oh, I can get away with that stuff. And we lose our strength as a Christian. And I would implore you to not lose that strength. And the last one is settle. And that really has the connotation of becoming 
confident, of becoming calm in the face of temptations. It also has another little meaning. i give you an illustration of, because uh, I'm a football guy and I like football. When I was in college, we had a drill that we did, and they called it settle. As a defensive player, we had all the defensive players lined up in a line, and the coach would yell, settle. And you had to assume a position of being settled with your legs apart, drop your hips, have your hands up ready to ward off anything. And then a coach would come by and try and shove you over. And the idea was when we were on defense and a blocker came after us, we would settle and be able to grab him and throw him away and go clog up the play or make the tackle. And so, in a sense, this word settle is you need to get ready to overcome the temptation, throw it away, and make your way to the Lord once again. And that is sometimes a very hard thing to do for us. First of all, you have to recognize really what the temptation is. You have to be able to identify it. The last thing I want to bring to you this morning, even though we're running quick, they didn't sing as long this morning as they, they usually did, but that's okay. We'll get home before the snow gets any worse. Every time we win a battle over temptation, you know what happens? According to the scripture we read, we bring glory, not to ourselves, but the scripture says we bring glory to God when we resist temptation. Can you bring the last slide of the uh, scripture up again, Sandy? I'm sorry I didn't tell you this. To him be the glory and the domination forever and ever. See, when you are able to do those four things, you are bringing glory to God. So God has used temptation, allowed it in our lives, to not only strengthen us, but to bring glory to himself. To bring glory to himself. Isn't that one of our tasks on earth, is to bring glory to God? That's what we're supposed to be doing glorifying God with our lives. And one of the ways to glorify God with our lives is to resist the temptations that are allowed to come into our lives.